Hey, welcome back to the show. We've got a loaded episode for you. It is full of college football stuff. We're going to be talking about why Bo Nix is so easy to make fun of. We're going to be talking about Fresno State beating UCLA with a quarterback with no functioning hips. We're going to be talking about a lazy take given by Dan Welkin. Who else? And we're also going to be talking about a crazy, crazy, crazy marriage that is happening in the world of soccer. That's right. We're talking about soccer this week. This is Let Them Eat Takes. Welcome to Let Them Eat Takes Sports Podcast for Outrage Era. I'm here with Justin Nian and Scott Scotius. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> Scottius. I want to say Scottius, but forgot to put a second to I am Justin Pay tribute to me. I'm not doing a voice like that. I don't think I've ever heard. No, Scott, you do a really good uh, redneck voice. <laughs> yeah, it's a voice. Yep. Yeah, it's a very good redneck voice. I was about to say, I don't think I've ever heard you do voice. Um, we had a very interesting, fun weekend of the sports. Watched a lot of college football. I watched Matt Ryan pretend like he wanted to win a game with the Falcons, and then he did not win the game. Hey, man, he. I watched him jump over a dude to get a two-point conversion. <laughs> I know I misspoke. It really wasn't Ryan, but hey, so we have to get that out of the way. That's the typical Atlanta Falcons response. Oh, wait, our defense gave up 48 points. Matt Ryan sucks. Well, two of those were pick sixes. That's true. (laughs) Maybe three. I have to go back. (laughs) I have him in my my super flex position in fantasy, and he still got me a decent amount of points just from having the yards and completions. I I don't think I am knowledgeable enough of like the line play within a football game to know when it is a line's fault an o-line's fault that a defender is getting their arms up and when it's just a really good defensive play and when the quarterback's just throwing it too low like i i think that's in that murky like i don't really know whose fault it is but man i know I those big sisters was because the linemen got their hands like straight up like, i mean it's kind of you got to think it's kind of it was probably late in the game I didn't watch the whole thing, but he had not thrown a pick six, probably not until third quarter. He's probably frustrated. He's probably just trying to make anything happen. I know that advanced stats, they look at pressure rates, and I don't know how they determine what is quarterback pressure, but generally you want your quarterback to be under less pressure and not more. (laughs) Hold on. Stop the presses. I know that there's this idea in the Protestant work ethic that says that if you're under pressure a lot, you'll do better, but that does not work for quarterbacks. <laughs> and Matt Ryan is Irish Catholic, so it doesn't work for him double time. <laughs> well, anyway, we'll get... That's we, right. We, it, that's an es- escalata- escalatological, whatever, escalata- breakdown escalata- of uh, QB performance under pressure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, don't use that as a reference to explain what the Protestant work ethic actually is, because I'm pretty sure that's not. But, but I digress. Sports balls. Tell me about those sports balls. Yeah, Scotty, will you recap what happened via the the good takes and the terrible takes? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my quick Falcons recap as well, oh, which yeah, is here, yeah. I ain't watched that crap. I went to the Braves game. See yeah. ya. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. And you watched the Braves win. Yeah, that was a miracle. Um, the only reason I watched this because a buddy of mine invited me to his house. His his family throws down the Falcons, like what you would think of like a typical college football fan d- does. That's what his family does for Falcons games, which is so sad. Um, That's like something that would happen in Thirty Rock, right? And nowhere else. Yeah. And so I went, he invited me over. I went, it was fun to hang out with everybody. But man, that game gave him like hope. And then to see the hope just like snatched away was probably the most Falcons thing. Yeah, I just, with this year's team, I just can't. (laughs) Can't do it. Yep. I don't don't blame you. Um, I'm not doing it anymore unless I get invited to hang or something. Yeah, um, the Falcons need a hard reset. Matt Ryan needs to play one more year and then look for a decent trade to at least a mid-tier franchise and move on. They'll win maybe two games this year, and they'll have the opportunity to pick a quarterback. I don't know who the top prospects are, but something tells me they will pick something like another guard oh, or another tackle. There's no top quarterback prospects this year. It's too bad, man. We could have had, I don't know, Mac Jones or somebody like that. Would oh you man, if we Justin- picked Mac Jones, they would have burned the stadium down. How <laughs> dare you? Yeah. Man, I remember when Mac Jones got his first start against Auburn and they lost to a Bo Nix led, a true freshman Bo Nix led Auburn team. There were Alabama fans in unison on Twitter calling for that man to be fired into the sun. Oh, oh, how the tables have turned. Yep, he threw he threw a couple bad picks, maybe both pick sixes in that game. They were kind of the difference of the game, which uh, does even happen to good quarterbacks sometimes. It does. Both I think were tipped balls. That's why I mentioned the line play thing. It wasn't like he just tried to force it downfield into double coverage or anything. Ah. Well, we we don't have to talk about that. Anymore. Let's let's talk some college football. That's why people actually listen to this show. All right. Let's hit this uh, recap real quick. Recap me, so, Daddy. We need some recap music. Yeah. Got you. Pause, pause for recap music. College football recap. Now let's use something that's like uh, copyrighted where we'll get in legal trouble. So the uh, the game of the week was probably uh, Florida State at Wake Forest. Every, that's the one everybody watched. And uh, our, our big take from that game, uh, our quick summary, comes from uh, someone that goes by the name Smooch, which is young women in Tallahassee, please stop having sex with the FSU football players. When they approach you, act like you don't know who they are. When they tell you they play for FSU, ask them, do they play basketball? When they say football, say <laughs> ooh and walk away. I bet we see a change. Oh, change is in you, the you, air, baby. 
<laughs> you can you can imagine how the Florida State Wake Forest game went. Maybe that's why that Oof. guy proposed after the end of the Jackson State. Like, I ain't getting none. I got to lock this down right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Withholding the sakes. Oh, uh, boy. How did the uh, Wake Forest FSC game go? Did Wake Forest win? It, Wake Forest won by three touchdowns. Oh. oh. Yeah. It was sad seeing the picks on college game day that morning because no, I think they all picked Florida State to win, and it was all it was all the same rationalization. Like, yes, this team is bad. There's no reason why I should pick them to win. You know, beat Wake Forest, but the idea of them being this bad is unfathomable. So here's my pity pick for Florida State. A pity pick. Yeah, it didn't work. Nope. No. Um, Clemson, I believe they hosted Georgia Tech in a game that had some some major rain delays. And uh, Clemson's quality of play is uh, was summarized by by Spencer Hall with Clemson is everything okay at home? <laughs> yeah, I watched the, some of the replay of that game, and uh, there was definitely like some weird juju going on there, but. I think people maybe underestimated how bad Clemson's O-line is. That offense is pretty dang dysfunctional. And I don't think some people are giving DJ Uagale some crap on social media. I don't think it's all his fault. I don't think he's living up to all of his hype necessarily. But when I watched that game, I just saw, you know, guards getting, you know, pancaked. Uh, They just can't sustain anything and all they can't push the ball further down the field either because he has no time to throw and all the run plays seem to have success just because there's an op there's the chance that dj can you know take the ball and keep it himself so they got some problems yeah they have to get that o-line fixed um their o-line really hasn't been the the strength of their offense the last number of years when they've been really good but they always had a quarterback that could run and, and make up for it, right? And they could take some pressure off the offensive line. Right. All right. Uh, Alabama at Florida. Fire Pete, Golding, fire Pete Golding into the freaking sun. Wait, where have That's I heard the... this before? Yeah. Oh, wait, we were just talking. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that was a uh, Pete Golding is the Alabama defensive coordinator for those who don't pay attention to non head coaches. You know, I could <laughs> whoever Alabama's defensive coordinator has been since Kirby Smart is just kind of like a revolving door of names and no hair. It's like, oh, it's Jeremy Pruitt <laughs> and this is Pete Golding. Is there, I can't even, was there, is there anyone between Jeremy and Pruitt and Pete Golding that I haven't, that I'm not thinking of? I'm pretty sure there is. Also, I think Pete Golding has hair. Oh, never mind. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I watched that game. It seemed like both teams' defenses did some things well. They did a good job generating pressure, but they both did a bad job doing, you know, fundamental things like tackling, wrapping up, you know, catching interceptions that hit you square in the numbers, that side of, that, that type of stuff, you know. It's definitely not the Alabama defense we're used to seeing, but I think the I mean, you pointed this out, Scott. When we were in the 
we were in the little hangout channel. They don't seem to have the kind of impact players on their defensive line that we're accustomed to seeing. No, they really don't. And they actually, you know, Bama's been built on elite recruiting since Saban got there, right? Right. Their team, top to bottom, still has elite talent. Where that elite talent is has shifted a bit. They used to have a lot of elite talent on the defensive line in the front seven. If you look at their defensive line right now, you don't see a lot of guys that were big-time, big-time recruits. Doesn't mean they're not good players, right? Doesn't mean other teams didn't recruit them. Doesn't mean they might not, you know, even have good careers in the NFL. But they don't have a bunch of impact players. And and part of that is they had a string of, like, really big-time guys they recruited on the D-line that all, like, transferred out or left right away. Like, they've had, you know... A, a string of two or three years, I think it feels like, where they had somebody that was like a, a five-star player or a borderline five-star player uh, that was like a, a down lineman kind of guy that came in and then transferred out after like a week. So, yeah, they don't have that kind of talent up front. I mean, Will Anderson, who's like the outside linebacker, the pass rush guy, he was the one guy in the front seven that was making plays. Other yeah. guys were just getting pushed. The defensive linemen were getting pushed around a little bit. You saw linebackers trying to like run around blockers, and uh, that's not what you're used to seeing out of Alabama. Yeah, well, it was that 199-yard drive that I think really gave Florida some momentum. It almost ended early. You know, it was I think when they were down in their end zone, it was a third-down play, and Emory Jones hit one of their guys on a slant route. And the safety tried to go up and make a tackle, and he just completely missed on the guy. You know, if he makes that tackle, you know, that drive doesn't happen. Who knows where that game goes? I have a question. How many national championships has Alabama won in the past three years? Two? Is it two? Let me think. No, it's one. It's one. Because it was Bama, LSU, Clemson. And then Bama before Clemson, I'm pretty sure. So one in the last three years. There's a reply to that Pete Golding tweet. I've been saying that for three years. <laughs> oh, they've been mad at Pete Golding in Alabama since he got there. Fans have been mad at him for real. Granted, a lot of the times when they were mad at him, it was stuff that wasn't his fault. You know, like uh, two years ago, I think they had some struggles on defense. But it was in areas where they had just lost like a ton and you're just like playing a bunch of freshmen, that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, this isn't really on Pete Golding. And then last year, they returned a lot of people. Their defense got a good bit better. They weren't like super elite, but they made some big improvements and they were plenty good enough to go with that offense. So... Some people were a little annoyed with Pete Golding, but it was hard to be too mad because the offense was so good. It covered up for everything, right? And then, uh, yeah, then we have this year where people can be real mad at him. Well, I remember even last year, people were mad. I think after the Ole Miss game, 
Like it doesn't mm-hmm. like if your defense gives up 48 points, you know, doesn't it doesn't sting quite as bad when your offense put up over 60, but they got burned. And, you know, that's a defense that had first round NFL talent on it. Well, I'm glad it's one of those games where I'm happy no matter what happens. Right. Florida loses, Bama loses. I'm a happy boy. Yeah, I I mean, it was the proverbial meteor game. I think I was pulling more for Bama just because I couldn't fathom the idea of Florida fans just kind of being, you know, the preemptive national champions on social media. But little did I know they were going to do that anyway, even if they lost that game. Exactly. Clear favorite to win the SEC. University of Florida. See, this is what uh, this is what you were kind of talking about last night, Scott. When I see that message, I I did see some people making talking about that on Twitter, and maybe this is what you were saying. Where like Mullen gets a lot of credit for almost beating Bama, but not, and then Kirby gets dragged for you know losing the almost Bama beating Bama, times. but not yeah exactly. But what, even though he led a lot longer and a lot more. Uh, consistently in those games. Yep, yeah, exactly. Georgia, yeah, Georgia's led at halftime the last three times they've played Alabama, and Florida has yet to, you know, have any kind of lead. But they somehow went, they would do win a lot more style points. And I, I, guess, I guess there's this reputation that Dan Mullen doesn't recruit at all. Now, he's not a great recruiter. But he does have some good talent. Like he has Kair Elam on the field, who I think is one of the best cornerbacks uh, in the SEC. And he has some good running backs. And he's put together a good offensive line. So it's not com- the cover is not completely bare, but people look at his roster and think, oh, these are a bunch of scrubs that he's coached up to NFL level. And- yeah, it's this, it's a weird, weird scenario where they are, right? So he's at Florida, which obviously, uh, hopefully everybody listening knows that's in the state of Florida. (laughs) And they have a lot of really good high school football players in the state of Florida. So you can beat Dan Mullen and have a staff that's pretty mediocre on the recruiting front and still just kind of show up to work some days and finish in the top 10 in recruiting, right? So it's not like their recruiting has been terrible. Now, their complaint, which is a very, or the complaint, sometimes, you know, depends on who's making the complaint, which is very fair, is they're not recruiting at an elite level. And you notice a lot of times, the same goes for, like, actual teams, right? These days, the difference between, like, 1, 2, and 3, and, like, 8, 9, and 10, sometimes is quite big, Right. Like normally, if you're like, oh, it's Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson, and they're playing somebody that's like managed to just barely be ranked number 10, that's not usually that close of a game, right? Right. Right. And and recruiting can be the same way, right? Like Florida, if you look at the, they do like the team, what is it called? Team talent composite. That's right. Florida is seventh. So based on just recruiting talent, they have the seventh most talented team in football. So they're not totally, completely untalented. That said, their talent level is pretty far behind Alabama and Georgia. The gap between, you know, them 
and Alabama and Georgia is like the same gap between Florida and like Tennessee as far as like recruiting talent goes. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah, I know the composite ratings of top three teams to add numbers. I think they're around 300 points, like 330. It's usually about 300 to 330 composite points, meaning like this is the total number of points your recruit have to get pulled together in your class. And I think Florida's usually down there around eight, nine, ten, sometimes maybe. Yeah. You know, now, in the 230, 240 range, something like that. One One thing they have done is they have been – Ready to jump on transfers. Oh, damn the man in the portal. Which is like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's hard to say whether that's good or bad, right? As a strategy, um, you could just get them out of high school when everybody knows they're good and have them for more years, but they don't like to do that. So they have, they have six guys that were former five stars on their roster four of those guys were transfers. So like most of a, a lot of their like guys that were really, really elite recruits actually came Congrats. as transfers. So they do get some of those, you know, really big time athletes. They just don't always show up as freshmen. They come as juniors. Yeah. So that's one thing too, is because they bring in so many transfers, they tend to, from what I've seen, they tend to have a fairly veteran team a lot of times as well, right? So that's part of why they've been able to sustain uh, some success without being a top five recruiting team. But it's a fine line, right? Like you don't get those transfers, those couple impact transfer guys for like one year and then, you know, It'll show up, but we shall see. Yeah. All right, get us back on the recap. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska recap. Sean Callahan, Nebraska kicking this year through three games. Five missed field goals. Three missed extra points. One ran back for two-point conversion. Woohoo! Go Black Shirts. Man, that's Uh, a special, special team right there. That's really bad. Cincinnati, Indiana. Indiana has taken a 14-0 lead over number eight Cincinnati, and the fans are losing their minds. They ripped out a bleacher. <laughs> Look at this. Uh, it's beautiful. The bleacher went crowd surfing. It looks like one guy's just holding it up. Uh, holding Ohio, like State, Ohio State in Tulsa from Mr. Ohio. If anyone ever asks you about this game, just point to the score and tell them we blew out Tulsa and didn't struggle at all. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. That's two, that's two no comments, please. Ohio State. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame and Purdue uh, from the AP Top 25. Kelly ties Rockney. So Brian Kelly ties Newt Rockney as, and for total wins in career. As number 12 Irish beat Boilermakers 27-13. So, as usual, the best thing you can say about Notre Dame is they were really good when things were in black and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have uh, UCLA and Fresno State. So, it was Fresno State at UCLA in the Rose Bowl. And uh, Tom Fornelli, who has a fantastic recap for us. Um, quick note, Jake Hayner is the quarterback for Fresno State. 
in case people aren't up on Fresno State's depth chart. And he said, yeah, Jake Hayner came here to do two things, have two functioning hip joints and rip hearts out. And guess what? He's all out of functioning hip joints. (laughs) (laughs) That's the bottom line. It's all it's in all caps, which makes me want to read it in Steve Cold Austin's. Uh, Steve, oh, that's true. Like you're shouting at the ring. He's got no hip joints. He's gonna rip out some hearts, and that's the bottom line. Can I get a hell yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was very good. That was some good gravel in there. That was very good. I'm guessing uh, Fresno State beat UCLA. Yes, Fresno State beat UCLA, and. Jake Hayner led the most injured quarterback drive I've seen since the Marshall Byron Leftwich days. Oh, I remember that. I remember Byron Leftwich. Yeah. So, so Jake Hayner's like slinging the ball down the field and then he's like holding his hip with both hands as he's just like limping to the line of scrimmage for the next play. And then shotgun snap and he just would like sling it and then just limp some more. That's like a friend. No, it was so dramatic. If you think that's dramatic, you're going to have to watch this. After he throws the last pass for a touchdown, he falls to his knees and raises his hands to the sky. Like Shawshank. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He went full Shawshank. (laughs) It was wild, man. Things happen in the Pac-12 after dark. I'm going to tune in. Oh, it gets wild. I do think you forgot forgot one fun element of the Notre Dame win over Purdue is that Notre Dame wouldn't let Purdue put their big-ass drum on the field for the <laughs> halftime performance. Yeah, I almost did a drum-themed thing, but then oh, I thought it would give too much exposure to Notre Dame. Apparently, I don't know, I think the reason is the tunnel where Notre Dame enters is reserved for the Fighting Irish and their band, and that would have been the, the only tunnel that the drum could roll through. Yes, the the best recap worthy uh, note that I saw on that was that they they said that the the drum wouldn't fit down the tunnel, but we know they're lying because Charlie Weiss used to run down that tunnel. <laughs> oh God, it's cold. It's ice cold. Oh, that That's so very good. That's it's good and bad and good and bad. I love it and I hate we it. We know what Purdue's drum could go through that tunnel because <laughs> Charlie Weiss is fat ass. Could fit through with his beauty playbook. Can I get a hell yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I went for the safe one. Uh, But anyway, that was the fun one. That was the the Pac 12 After Dark uh, summary version. Sorry, I'm watching this Jake Hayner hobbling after throwing a TD pass. He looks like. He looks like he came home and found AARP membership at his doorstep. Here you go, Jake. We didn't I mean, know senior some, citizens could still play college football. It's some real uh, Byron Leftwich vibes going on for me. Have you have you got to the last throw yet? No. Oh, just wait, baby. All right, I'll keep the recap rolling here. Uh, Virginia Tech was playing at West Virginia. And from NCAAF Nation, uh, number 15 Virginia Tech is getting dragged all over these country roads. Um, mm-hmm. BYU. The John Denver wrong. reference. I like it. Drag the rats <laughs> down the road. Don't come back anymore. 
We'll be in the same conference. Maybe <laughs> one day. The Big 12 sucks. It really sucks. All right. So BYU hosted Arizona State. And from Brett McMurphy, uh, congrats to BYU for clinching the Pac-12 South Division title tonight. BYU now undefeated with two or three Pac-12 South wins. Three. Oh. Yeah. BYU. Um, there's Mormons. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, Mormons. it's... Whew, the the Pac-12 got a lot of boost for Oregon beating Ohio State, which was fun. We all love, love watching Oregon beat Ohio State. True. Um, however, at this point, it's uh, not looking great for the Pac-12 as a whole. There are, gosh, overall they have, let's see, Oregon... And BYU are the only undefeated Pac-12 teams. And uh, it's worth noting that BYU is not in the Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Very, very the Pac-12. Sorry. Well, just, uh, BYU yeah. used to pretend like they were in the Pac-12, and but now they're not, or they never were. Are but they now they're actually... Game? Well, they're in, they went independent for a few years because they wanted to have no conference ties so they could get picked up by a bigger conference. And they're one of the groups that's joining the Big 12. Uh, so they just, right. they got their big boy membership announced and then went out and trounced three Pac-12 teams. Yeah. That's funny. Setting it on fire. Um, uh, Miami. Miami played Michigan State. Uh, brought to you by Mel Tucker. Our, our shorts wearing head coach. Gotta love it. And uh, we have a summary from Joe Garcia. There's a very strong case to be made that Al Golden was a better coach than Manny Diaz. What? I mean, it's a bit too soon to say, but I've I've had some, some <laughs> doubts about Manny Diaz because I know that his background in football was I think he did analytics for ESPN and decided, hmm, I think I, I think I know a lot about this football thing. Maybe I should get down on the field and try to coach. And he had a couple of good years as a defensive coordinator serving under Mark Rick. He's he's been coaching for a while. I don't know that he ever worked at ESPN. I could be wrong. I was I mean I know he's been coaching okay. for a long time, but I know he's I think he started out being like an analyst. He he did. He was well, he was a production assistant at ESPN. Um that was a very long time ago. Last okay. was at ESPN in '97. Okay, so he's, yeah, yeah. He's been in college coaching since 1998. Holy crap! He's been all over the map. I'm looking at his his wiki page. He started as yes. a grad assistant at Florida State. Spent some time at NC State. Went to Middle Tennessee. Had a good time there. Went to Mississippi State. Went over to Texas. Went to La Tech. Back to Mississippi State. And then he went to be the defensive coordinator at Miami, where he's. He's been there since 2016. Um, so, by the way, I think, I think the game that happened the other day was exactly the 10-year anniversary to the day of the time when BYU ran for like 400 yards against Texas when Manny Diaz was the defensive coordinator. It got him fired. Mm -hmm. And it was at one time 
I think it got changed, but man, for a while on Wikipedia, it was beautiful and had like, <laughs> so the, the picture from Manny Diaz, which was, I, I know why this was removed, but it was just like some Mexican dude with a sombrero over his face and taking a nap. <laughs> so we know why that got taken away. Um, oh gosh. And, uh, and then it was referring to that game as the Mormon soak. That was like oh. what they nicknamed it, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with the practice of soaking and it's prevalence in, uh, Mormon community. Uh, Google that on a non-work computer, please. Yes. Make sure it's not work. Anyway, so I think it was 10 years to the day, the anniversary of the Mormon soak, where he led a Texas defense that just got annihilated by BYU. Mandy has had some ups and some downs. He is 15 and 12 at Miami. I only put like that. That doesn't sound very good. And, uh... Al Golden was 32 and 25. So they're about kind of the same clip. Mm-hmm. Who do you think said better athletes, though? Manny Diaz. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, Miami, I feel like Miami is in the same. They're like, they're not quite. It's not as bad as Notre Dame, but they're in that category of college football teams of used to be powerhouses. We really wish they'd be good again, uh, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And I watched some of that game. Or no, 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 that game was played at Michigan State. Had a good crowd. I remember watching them play App State, the one where the cat fell. From yeah. The I thought it was a socially distanced football game, and I realized, wait, no one really gives a crap about Miami football this year. The uh, nope. I was listening to local radio, and they were, I guess, recapping this game or previewing this game. I can't remember. But the the one of the guys was like, "All I gotta say is, Miami's highlight of the season is a cat." <laughs> I, I mean, like, they did a game day segment on it, and they had their play by play announcer. And I could just look in his eyes and see, you know, that's that slow smoldering death I see in the, the eyes of every fellow Atlanta Falcons fans. Uh, you know, it's like I'm on this train, but I know it's not going to get any better unless you're smart and you realize I could just go root for another team and maybe I'll reconsider. You can always go root for Bo Nix so he could throw a incomplete fade pass on like fourth and goal in the fourth quarter. Oh gosh! It was it was a uh, it was quite something. Uh, I thought it was a bad play call, but if you're gonna call it, it was a bad execution. <laughs> it was bad, bad, bad. It was fourth and two, right? Yeah, I, I forget exactly something like that. It was yeah. fourth and short. Yeah, that that fade pass is such a low percentage play, especially in that scenario. I saw a lot of tweets about it. a lot of Georgia fans were sounding off like this is the most Mike Bobo thing that's ever happened. And it's finally happened to somebody else. So, well, yeah, the, I don't know why you just the, like run it or throw it at the goal line debate is gets pretty dumb. Um, but I, <laughs> sometimes it's funny. I, I will say on this, I think after the game, Harson mentioned that they had 
a bunch of plays called and then it was just up to Bo Nix to pick the right play based on what uh what he saw. Well and that was the one he picked. Okay. Why that one was in the in the playbook. I don't know. But coaches uh, perpetually think that fades are a real play that should be run ever and they probably shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I get it if you let's say you you have um Let's say if you're Georgia, let's put it in the Homer cast zone and you decide to split out Darnell Washington wide. And he's like 6'8", 270 pounds. I don't know. He's like a man beast. That kind of makes sense because especially if there's going to be like a linebacker or corner, he's probably going to have a physical leverage. But even then, that's like you can't count on him coming down with that ball. Yeah, it's still a, yeah. They let you play handsy. It, It makes more sense in principle. If you have a big physical receiving person out there that you think, okay, this is a huge matchup advantage for us. And, you know, Auburn didn't have that. And it didn't matter. Nobody was going to catch that pass. So please don't tell me he was trying to attempt it to Demetrius Robertson because that would be hilarious. No, he was attempting it to the cheerleading section. <laughs> Complete. Complete. And spot brought to you by <clears throat> Milo's Tea. Milo's. Um, <clears throat> is that our recap? I, I can just never. Yeah, it is. I can never get over the the fact that the Bonix sounds like a prescription medication that should have some like goofy commercial of like people standing in fields of flowers and then like talk about all these random side effects like you know anal seepage at the end. <laughs> I used to not know my name until Bonix. I took clinics and my life came alive. May cause artificial insemination. Oh, anal, anal seepage was starting to cut into my personal life. You don't know what it's like to go to work and just have a secretion always coming out your butt and bring multiple pairs of pants, but not anymore. Now I have Bonix. Bonix limits my anal seepage to just once a day. Bonix, let me live my life again. Thanks, <laughs> Bonix. Oh man, Robert Williams is the best bit on prescription side effects. He's like he's talking about anal leakage or seepage, and he says, "If my ass is leaking, I feel like that's more of an effect, really, <laughs> not a side effect." It's <laughs> 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 like that's oh, good. That's more of an effect. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good uh, point. I saw. Oh, that's. One of my favorite game. This is my last Bonix thing. One of my favorite game day signs because the Penn State fans really, they really went hard after Bonix. Which why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to? You know, um, one of my favorite was who's that Pokemon? And it was someone took Onyx and put Bonix's head on it, and it's it's Bonix. <laughs> nice, so good. <laughs> it's so simple and so good. Uh, so he communicates. He's got uh, rock pebbles for brains. I mean, he. <laughs> I mean, how funny is it? Like, and there's all these like, gosh, there were there were a couple of good ones. One of the one of the signs was, so it if you go to Auburn and and get a divorce, does it, are you and your spouse still cousins, or is that off the off the table too? Oh. A lot of you know a lot of the low hanging fruit like that. Well, it is go. funny that his dad was a, a quarterback at Auburn like 30 years ago, however long it was. <clears throat> uh, Justin, you seem to have walked into 
the most unfortunate segment of our show, which is a segment uh, debuting today called Is It Incest? Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was going to, I thought we were going to call it something like, was this porn or was this real life? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't uh, know, both probably. So, yeah, this is definitely not Brazil. Do you want me to Brazil, read a little recap? Yeah, well, Brazil striker Hulk announces niece is pregnant with his child in social media posts. The niece of his ex wife of 12 years. Yeah, I had to look into that. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's disgusting. Then I saw, oh, he's not technically blood related. That's still disgusting. He was her uncle. He watched her grow up. He was her uncle for over a decade. Over a decade. And then it got to the point like, yeah, I want to, I want to. I mean, <laughs> like that's, that's creepy and weird. I mean, yeah, it's, it's what we joke about what happens at Auburn, but probably very rarely does like that. Hap- that does not happen that often. I doubt it happens that often in Brazil, but holy cow. Holy cow. Like, what are we doing? I remember I texted that and (laughs) to a friend and he says, oh, GWTF. And he goes, okay, I read the article. It's his ex-wife's niece, so it's not as weird. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's just not incest. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not... And it is. It's true. It's slightly less awful than the short headline makes it look. But what are we doing? <laughs> like, like, I don't want to. I don't want to like drag us through the darkness. But just think about, you know, for buddy, we already talked about the Falcons. <laughs> Started in the darkness. Like, I was bored of it. Like. She probably had braces on, and he's like, he probably remembers her being like an awkward 12 year old girl of braces. You know, I doubt then he was thinking, well, one day I'm going to want to, I'm going to leave my wife for that and start a family with her. This is going to be, this is great. Being a world famous soccer player is the best because I'm sure people will understand. That mirror article that, <laughs> that report on it was hilarious because they only refer to her by her name once. And then throughout the article, it's her his niece. His niece is going to have is due by this day. His niece and he's going to marry his niece by then. It's just like, like they really want you to know that by law they are related. <laughs> they did not want to let that one slide. What are we doing? Okay, so to be more fair, according to what I'm reading, okay, I feel bad about what I said now. A little bit. It's still weird. She is 32. Um, He is 35. Wait. The niece is 32? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The niece is 32. So there was never like a looking at a underage girl for 10 years. And I misjudged it. So, I mean, it's still weird, but I guess it's less, it's less seedy. It's still not great. I think the worst part is the betrayal of his wife. Oh, sure. Like that's terrible. 
Ugh. Unless she's into that kind of thing, I don't know. I don't know. He should. They should go talk to um, what's his face from Liberty, um, Jerry oh, Fall Junior. Key <laughs> <laughs> freeze. You got it. You got anyone that works on your swimming pool? You can always invite them. I haven't. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> so my my joke was gonna start with we're having a Bible study tonight. Let me tell you what that means. <laughs> oh boy. I'm not doing it. Everybody just put your Bibles in the bowl when you walk in the door. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. You put it right here in this bowl. We're coming here. Mm. You can do anything you want, but just remember, old Jerry gets to uh. All right, so we're in in sort of sports, in, in kind of sports land, uh, Conor McGregor threw a 50-cent caliber first pitch at the game the other day. It Joe West so did call it a strike. Uh, Joe West sucks. I love it. This ball was not even close. I was like, did he hit a fan in the face? Like, imagine throwing a ball and it just goes to like 3 o'clock. Here's what I want to know. Are all of our like celebrities and people of international influence and uh, importance, are they all just like shells of human beings? Are they like automatons that are made by this factory and they're like, you know, they do one thing like Brad Pitt acts really well and then he gets put into basically like, you know, he gets into a non-living, non-dead corporeal form until he's needed next because like... Who throws a baseball this bad? I I will say, like, if you don't ever do it, like, it it it, it could it could be tricky. But, <laughs> and the other thing is, who doesn't practice before you're about to go That's on live That's freaking TV in front of people? You should have practiced. All right, serious question: Did Conor McGregor screw this up so? badly on purpose uh, you know i mean he's kind of a i don't follow the fighting world that much but um from what i've heard and and what people told me he's done a really good job sort of reaching the top not necessarily because he's a great fighter but because he's good at working the press and really good at right. creating a personality so like i could see him doing that because it you know and he's also he's it's in the spirit of kind of the WWF sort of thing. He's kind of the bad boy, right? Like he's the villain. He likes to be booed and jeered at. You know, yeah. people like it when he gets KO'd. Like that's his shtick. He talks a big game, and then he, you know, like the I don't like think, any villain, he gets squashed. I don't think he's doing it on purpose. It looks like he's. He's, I mean, he he like releases when he's leaning back and he's trying to like get some little bit of power by flicking his wrists and just his release point is just all off. It's also wearing a suit too. I mean, somebody made a comment about that. It's like, I don't know how he could breathe, let alone throw a strike with, with a suit like that. What the hell are yeah, his suit is, his was way too tight. Yeah, he like couldn't move his legs. Yeah, it's like perfectly, it's, yeah. perfectly tailored to his shoulders. And when a suit is perfectly tailored to your shoulders, it does limit your range of motion. It's like his pants are like it's just an imprint of his ass. Like you can oh, see, I can see his, his booty really well. His butt crack, it's... everything. It's just pant. Yeah, I, you, I mean, you can see butt crack outline from like the thumbnail preview image. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There's nothing. You don't have to stare or like look for it. 
You can see he's clearly been taking Bonex too. <laughs> this yes. guy has not missed the dosage. Mm-hmm. Bonex. Somebody posted a uh, a uh, Dan Wilkin article. I haven't heard his name in a while. Uh, yeah, this is work circling back to college football. Uh, the it's kind of oh, we haven't talked about him in a while. The, the headline was opinion. Has a Wilkin? The adult, the Wolken has awoken, and now he has spoken. Uh, so Dan Wolken writes, "Don't let Alabama's close call against Florida lead you to believe the Crimson Tide isn't the team to beat." And I'm not gonna. That's, a, me- that's a medium warm take. I mean, it was a medium warm take from a guy who likes to dole out the hot takes and be like very authoritative, but. Uh, he just doesn't. He seems to admit that he doesn't really know what's going on in college football right now, but that he decides to double down on his pre-existing narratives anyway. Just because what are we? What am I supposed to do? Say that I don't know what's going on. So he <laughs> talks about how you know what's, what's going on, <laughs> right? So like he just goes over the first three weeks of the season and says, "All right, things are looking kind of weird. Looks like we don't know who's." the best team in the country right now. And some of the people we thought were going to be really good have struggled quite notably Ohio state and Oklahoma and Clemson. Those three teams seem to have not been as dominant as people expected. And even Alabama looked vulnerable against Florida. And when he gets to like Georgia and Oregon, he's like, yeah, these teams have looked good, but these are historically unreliable programs and I'm not going to take them seriously. And so going through all that and i mean he goes through all these like close games that happen he says you know and he finishes the article by saying this it's still early and things can change drastically as teams figure out who they are but at the one quarter mark of the regular season the gap between alabama and everybody else looks bigger than ever what (laughs) what that's a dumb conclusion. Yeah. Like what? Which is it, Dan? You just said they looked vulnerable. You, you're, you just spent a whole time saying, like, we don't know who the clear frontrunner is, but it looks like it's Alabama, and it's bigger than it's ever been. You can't have it both ways. You can if you're the woke Come on, guy. Dan. You still need to get woke. But this was the same guy who last year was, you know, crying, you know, screaming and kicking about, we need more vaccines. For college athletes, and then when all the athletic programs in the country started vaccinating, or excuse me, testing, was a vaccine, they needed testing materials. Pardon. As soon as all these programs started testing all their athletes, he's like, whoa, 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 we need these testings for the testing supplies for the general public. Why are we using them on college athletes? Oh, yeah, I remember <sighs> doing that. I remember. So, I don't know, it was, it was a bad... It was a bad take, but, you know, that's kind of how everyone's general mood is right now is, you know, we don't really know who the best team in the country is, but we're just going to go ahead and roll with Bama because they've, you know, maybe they've earned that right to just be the best until somebody beats them. I don't know. And, you know, after three games, you don't really know as much as sometimes you think you know, right? we haven't seen a whole lot yet. A lot of times we get about halfway through the season. This won't happen this year, but a lot of times you get about halfway through the season and you start looking around and saying, wow, look at all these six and O teams. Are we going to have seven undefeated teams? Who's going to get in the playoff when there's seven undefeated teams? 
And lo and behold, that never happens, right? And part of it is just like once teams start getting into conference play, right? You start playing uh, road games at big stadiums. You start playing teams with a pulse every week, multiple weeks in a row. You start playing opponents that are familiar with you. People start getting film of what you've done on the field and, you know, finding out weaknesses or looking for weaknesses and stuff like that. Things show up, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, after three games, it's hard to see that, right? Teams have weaknesses that maybe haven't shown up yet, or teams have a weakness that got exploited, but maybe it'll actually get fixed, right? That kind of stuff. So, yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue into some uh, some hot hot seat here. I'm gonna give y'all y'all just gotta do this quickly. I'm gonna give y'all the uh, a question. You gotta give me an answer. Uh, this is a the big noon game, I believe. The big nude, uh, Notre Dame. <laughs> Woo! Big nude Saturday. Big nude. <laughs> number twelve Notre Dame versus number eighteen Wisconsin. Wisconsin is favored by six and a half points. Yeah, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Badgers. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I think uh, Notre this Dame is a, covered. This is. A, I should have said this is a, a Soldier Field. I guess neutral site game. Chicago, a neutral, neutral site ish in walking distance from Notre Dame. Right, right. You can. It's like a two-hour drive. Bend, yeah. yeah. I'll take the Badgers, but I'll I'll say Notre Notre Dame beats the spread. So I think maybe Badgers by three. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I mean, yeah. Notre seems far fetched for Notre Dame to win that game when they've barely well, been beating. Starts teams. really eleven a.m. for them. Right, I gotta love it. It's a sleepy start, man. So um, sleepy. Uh, that game sucks. That game sucks. Um, I will bet against Notre Dame probably half the time, but you know, I know they'll win a lot of those games because they somehow figure out a way you, to do it. You do that principle. Texas yeah. Tech at Texas. Do they have a prayer of covering the eleven points Texas is favored by? Texas is favored in that game against Texas Tech. I saw that recently. That Texas Tech actually has a top ten ranked defense this year, or top fifteen. Are you thinking A and M, or are you thinking Tech? No, I'm thinking Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, you know, who is Texas Tech played so far? Right. That's a good question. I should have should have looked that up before I authoritatively. <laughs> I don't remember the actual teams by name, but I can assure you, it is. A pretty poor schedule so far. Colorado um, State. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, they played Houston, which is by far their best opponent uh, so far. And they played uh, SF Austin and FIU. It's not 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 great. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the Longhorns. Sure, to cover the eleven. Um, Colorado State plays at number five Iowa. Iowa's favored by twenty three points. Yeah, I'll take a lot Iowa. of points. It's a lot of Covered. points. Will they cover it? Yeah. Colorado State gave someone a fit earlier this year. I can't remember who. Or did they beat? I know Colorado. Yeah, played a close game with Texas A and M, but actually, I don't know. I don't know if they'll cover spread because I've seen Iowa's looking pretty stout on defense this year, but they only beat 
Um, who did they play last week? Oh, the team I was thinking of was Vanderbilt. Never mind. I was covering. A and M plays Arkansas on the SEC on CBS game of the week. Give me the Hogs. That's uh, Arlington, Texas at AT and T Stadium. By the way, I mean cheering for Arkansas. That's for sure. A uh, and M only favored by six points, so it's going to be a good game. That's worth tuning in for. I will say. Yeah, I think they're both relatively unknown quantities. Maybe Arkansas a little bit more known than Texas A&M. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's, that's an important game to see how uh, A&M is going to... But they uh, have a new quarterback because one of them got injured. Yeah, they're on their backup quarterback. Got from yep. Georgia, I think. Is uh, Florida State going to snap their losing uh, uh, situation against Louisville in a home game against Don't Louisville? Count on it. They're Hope not. At this point, it just would be so funny if Florida State went undefeated. You mean the opposite of undefeated? Uh, this is the new undefeated, baby. <laughs> nine and nine and three after an zero and three start that had disastrous <clears throat> losses to Wake Forest and Jacksonville State. I'm unaware of how good Georgia State is, but they do play Auburn in Auburn. Did they have a prayer of maybe some no. Auburn hangover from a big loss? I don't think so. Georgia State's not been good. I mean, I'm sure Auburn's favored by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you could have like a yeah, they're a fake close game or something like that. Yeah. yeah, Georgia State hasn't won a game this year yet. Yeah. Wait, no, they beat Charlotte. Oh, so they're better than Florida State. <laughs> You know, they maybe they should have scheduled Florida State. That should have been that would have been the move. Tennessee at number eleven, Florida. Florida favored by nineteen and a half. Yeah, like, take the Gators and yeah, I feel like it's points. Yeah. Um, yeah, where where Florida is right now, they have one thing: the the run game on offense that they can lean on and count on. And so when they play teams like Tennessee that aren't very good. You should be able to just lean on that. Yeah. I don't know that they'll blow them out, right? But they'll, you know, should it win like they're supposed to. Yeah, it'll be, it'll probably be a low, it could be a low scoring game. Of course, I don't know. Tennessee got gutted this offseason on both sides of the ball. I mean, 19 and a half points is a lot of points. Yeah, I don't think that I would take the over on that. I would think it's probably more likely for Tennessee to cover. But yeah, that's more likely. We do have a kind of a a toilet bowl matchup here. Kentucky at South Carolina. We're going to find out if Kentucky is going to be good or be toilet bowl, I think, in this game. Kentucky had looked pretty good until they played a close game against Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I got to say, I think South Carolina has a little bit more upside with Luke Doty at quarterback, the grad assistant. Shocking that may sound. Um, and they were getting some good chunk plays against Georgia. I don't think that's insignificant. So the highest point, highest point favoring spread that I see is Ohio State over Akron, favored by forty nine. Oh boy, that's hard to. Yeah, man. Akron's really bad. They might do that. That's true. I mean, Auburn beat them like sixty two to nothing, right? So yeah, they might hit forty nine. 
If Auburn can do it, Ohio State can surely do and it. The right? And the lamb being sacrificed in Tuscaloosa because of the quote-unquote close or poor play of Alabama against Florida is Southern Miss. Mm. R.I.P. Southern Miss. R.I.P. Yeah, a week a week of saving chewing asses, and um, Southern Miss shall receive the uh, slit of the throat. Blood yep. must be spilt to the tone. I will say, Alabama did not look like a number one caliber team against Florida. Oh, really? It really didn't. So, like, some of the talk of, like, hey, Alabama didn't look unbeatable. They didn't look that great. That part, I think, is accurate. The problem is taking that from a one-game snapshot early in a season and projecting that out to mean they're definitely not going to be that good this year. That part's dicey. Because there's years where they've been really good, where they've won the national title, where they've lost to a Bo Wallace-led Ole Miss team, right? Where they lost to Steven Garcia at South Carolina. Yeah, teams sure. have bad games, right? Yeah, Nick Saban teams have bad games. It happens. Nick Saban teams lose to teams they're supposed to beat that are far inferior to them. Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens most seasons, actually doesn't mean that they're not still really good and really consistent big picture right so yeah but and we shall see i think the the sort of narrative that that leads you to question bama right is that one people are now saying hey this miami team they're pretty not good so right. getting credit for being miami looking like oh wow they're so much better than miami and it's like oh well i don't know you any real top five or top 10 team might have done that to Miami, right? So maybe that's not so great. And then they didn't really just annihilate Mercer like you kind of thought. I don't know that there's anything to take from that, but if you're kind of looking at the just the scores, it's like, oh, well, that's not that impressive. Right. Um, oh. Well, we were talking about this during the game, Scott, but like Alabama doesn't look, they look like they're down some impact players on defense that they're traditionally known to have, but also their offense is very young and inexperienced. You know, who is Slade Bolden and why is he lining up in the slot on almost every play for them? Yeah. And, you know, where they've been, where they've been on offense the last couple of years, right? Is that they've just had insanely good wide receivers right two years ago they had four first round receivers last year they only had two of those first round receivers and then mechie who was a solid third guy and and good tight end play their top two guys were so dominant it was insane well where they are right now they have two good outside receivers they can trust those guys are good those guys are going to play in the nfl those guys are not going to win Heisman's or be picked in the top 10, right? So you went from amazing wide receivers to some like good or even really good wide receivers, but it's a step down from where they were, right? And then you have a new quarterback and some new offensive line and a new offensive coordinator, right? There's a lot of turnover. So there was, you know, expectation was really for them to take a little step back on offense doesn't mean they're not good right even in the florida game where they kind of struggled they still rolled out there and got three quick touchdowns to start the game off and put themselves in good position they're just not as consistent as last year's team right right 
Well, you had. Good. Um, oh, no. Last year's team was freaking unreal how many first round skill players they had on offense. Yeah. Like, that does not happen very often in college football. All right. The yeah. last one I'll ask about West Virginia at number four, Oklahoma. It's a night game. It's in Oklahoma. Mm. Mm-hmm. But oh James boy! Docked off a rank. Well, that's, that's a spicy one right there. Oklahoma is kind of looked a little suspect here and there. They look. They sus. are favored by negative. By uh, they're favored by fifteen and a half. That seems kind of high, but definitely worth tuning in for. At least, yeah. What time is that game? Seven thirty. ABC. Seven thirty Eastern. ABC. I think I'll definitely take the over on the points for this one. Yeah. Think, oh, how, yeah. Agreed. How the over under is 56. Oh, yeah. That's going to give know. me the point total. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could see this going either way. It, it seems like this seems like a shootout game. I could see it going either way. Um, it's it's at Oklahoma. Mm hmm. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the Sooners, but I don't. Know, I haven't watched either of these teams play very much, so I really like all I know is that you know West Virginia's put on some points on some ace on some uh you know mid tier opponents, and Oklahoma's kind of struggled against some mid tier opponents. I think one of the things with Oklahoma that they haven't had so far this year that they've had in past years is they haven't been getting the big explosive plays as much. And they also, Spencer Rattler doesn't doesn't run as much as some of the previous quarterbacks, right? And maybe just isn't quite as consistent and accurate as some of those guys. So those right. kind of play into why they haven't had the big plays as much, I think. Um, another part of it, too, is like Nebraska, who actually, their defense is kind of okay, despite how bad the team played against Illinois to start the season. Yeah, Nebraska did the thing that Arkansas likes to do when they play time teams and stuff, which is just like drop everybody into coverage and play a lot of zone and be like, all right, you're more talented. If you want to beat us, you have to execute all the time and you have to be okay with just only getting five yards and never making any big plays. Right. And just seeing if the other team will like make any mistakes or press and turn the ball over that kind of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, Nebraska did a lot of that. Uh, I think that's kind of the defensive style for West Virginia a little bit. So there's a chance that that West Virginia-Oklahoma game looks a lot like that Nebraska-Oklahoma game. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll All right, do we have a take to Unitas? Uh, I've been scouring, on, been scouring on Twitter for the last couple of minutes, and surprise, surprise, there's... There's not a lot unifying going on right now. I have one. Oh, hit us, baby. 
in these troubling times, when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes, the hot takes, the medium rare takes, and the takes that are doomed to be deleted on Twitter tomorrow, we need a sports take to bring us back together. Now more than ever, these are the takes that unite us. This was uh, tweeted last night at 6 p.m. from uh, Lane Kiffin's verified account. He uh, tags ESPN College Football, SEC Network, SEC on CBS, Fine Bomb, and CeeLo on ESPN. All those accounts. Chris Lowe on ESPN. All those accounts. And he says, please stop with all the, and then uploads an image of the band Rat above the band Poison. <laughs> <laughs> please stop with all the Rat Poison. And I thought... That was a pretty good tweet by Lincoln. He's really good at the social media game. Like uh, speaking of his prowess on social media, have you guys noticed uh, his list of people he's following? No, let's check this out. No, where do I see it? Was, uh, I think he had an he had an account at some point where he had deleted. All of his follow or everybody that he was following, except for Archie Manning. <laughs> so it was like followed by, <clears throat> you know, five million people following one, and it was just Archie Manning. Archie or Arch? His name is Archie and goes by Arch. Okay, so you talk about the junior in high school. That everyone's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's no man knows what he's doing. His cover photo on Twitter. It's a whiteboard that says Lane Kiffin tweets too much. He will probably tweet this too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Great. That's perfect. All right, I feel united. I feel united. Bye. Bye. Is that we're just ending it like that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain. I'm feeling my bonic starting to kick in right now. I mean, that's how it is. Sometimes you just, uh, you're in it, and then you just throw a fade to the cheerleader, and you're not in it. That's what we do. Fade out. Fade that's out. That's right. <laughs>